Welcome into the UGA Football Live podcast. I'm your host, J.C. Shelton, in partnership with UGA Wire of the USA Today's College Wire Network. What's up, everyone? Welcome into our first off-season show. I'll talk Peach Bowl, college football playoff, and I'm joined by four-star cornerback and 2021 UGA signee Kamari Lasseter. We had a cool conversation about his recruitment and future as a dog. We'll get into that soon, but first, a quick announcement. We are moving the show day to Thursday, so sorry for any confusion, but this off-season, we'll be releasing episodes on Thursdays. And then during the football season, we're planning on releasing shows on both Thursday and Monday. So, of course, I'll keep you updated on that as the season comes around. As always, make sure to check UGA Wire for all things Georgia football. A lot of news breaking daily on whether guys are staying or leaving for next season. And we'll have transfers coming in soon as well, I'm sure. So everything you need to keep up with Georgia football is at UGAWire.com. Stat breakdowns, highlights, dogs in the NFL, updates. You can find us on Twitter at UGA Football Live. And me, I'm at J underscore Shelton underscore. So let's talk Peach Bowl before we get into anything else. So Georgia beat undefeated AAC champion Cincinnati 24-21 to in the Peach Bowl on Friday, New Year's Day. So... From a football standpoint, it was a fun game to watch. It came down to the last possession, of course. Georgia's Jack Podlesny hit the game-winning field goal. I think it was 53 yards, uh, so career-long for him. And I read somewhere that it's a Peach Bowl record for the longest field goal made, too. So interesting to me, like just from the top of things and an overall view of the game, it was, it was funny to watch Cincinnati's sideline and, and, and bench and quarterback, too, Desmond Ritter. And I love the kid, and, and he played really well, but... Every time he got tackled, he was looking for a flag. And I feel like every time Cincinnati was tackled, it may, be, it may just be me that was seeing this. Every time Cincinnati was tackled, it felt like their sideline was erupting for flags at every play. And I just thought it was hilarious because the officials were so bad. I mean, they really kind of gave them flags at any point. They erupted almost, it looked like. But anyways, so linebacker Aziz Ojolari had an awesome day for Georgia. Last time in a dog uniform as he's since declared for the NFL draft. But he ended the game with a safety that gave UGA that extra two points, helped Ojolari win the Peach Bowl defensive MVP too, had three sacks, and that was just a great showing. I thought from the Bulldogs' defense, who had missed several starters to opt out and injuries, I think they played really well against the Cincinnati offense, who can just flat score. They did it all season, and they were pretty effective when they needed to be. Better on third downs than we were. You know, Monty Rice, Eric Stokes, Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, Mark Webb, all out on defense or either opt out or injury. And the count didn't end up playing until the last play, but Kirby did get him in on that last play. So when Cincinnati got the ball back and was trying to score with a couple seconds left, the count got to go out and uh, sit back at safety, take in his last play as a Georgia Bulldog, which is really cool to see. Also, another thing that was just really interesting and pretty heartwarming was seeing UGA running back coach Dale McGee sport a James Cook jersey. If you did, if you missed that, so James Cook lost his father a week ago, and um, during game week to honor him, Georgia running back coach Dale McGee wore his jersey on the sideline. I thought that was really awesome, and it kind of speaks to how the coaches um, are relating to players and and care for their players beyond football. 
Again, all respect to Cincinnati and their QB Desmond Ritter. That kid is an absolute baller. I mean, the Bearcats definitely deserve credit for a great season this year, and I can see why they were so dominant um, in the AAC. That said, something I really couldn't stand, and I think a lot of Dog Nation couldn't either. There was a lot of talk about this on Twitter. Were the officials? I mean, they were just, in short, they were horrible. I think they were ACC refs, and some people were pointing to that as to why they were so bad, but football is football. And these guys, I think, just had a hard day watching the game. You know, they, they called a forward pass, a fumble somehow. I, that, that's the one that really stands out to me. Georgia was in the red zone. JT Daniels, and it was back to pass, threw an incomplete pass as he got hit out of bounds. And they called it a fumble. How does a fumble go 20 yards forwards and out of bounds? That obviously erupted the UGA drive, you know, moved us back um, from the spot of the fumble where they thought it went out instead of an incomplete pass. And that made absolutely no sense. And I thought they would review it and change it, but they didn't. So that kind of pointed to where we were at on this game in officials. But, you know, I think our offensive line struggled most of the game um, with that makeshift group that we saw having to replace Ben Cleveland at right guard, as well as Trey Hill at center. I mean, we had, I think, eight yards rushing at the half, finished with only 45 yards on 24 attempts but that's including minus 20 from JT Daniels on sacks I was just surprised we couldn't move the Bearcats off the ball I think that's one thing that we would be able to do against them but we did not could be the makeshift offensive line like I said but the struggle up front I think it really translated to JT Daniels a hard day for him which a lot of times it does with quarterbacks it was the toughest game for Daniels since he was named starter versus Mississippi State in Game 7. I think the sacks he really took um, were on him for the most part. Several times he held the ball really long, tried to make things happen, ended up taking big losses instead of just getting rid of the ball, uh, which I thought he should have there. In the end, though, you know Daniels and the receivers turned it on when we needed it. Talking about a last drive, of course, when Georgia drove 44 yards on eight plays to set up Podlesny for that game winner. Daniels went 26 for 38, passing for 392 yards with a touchdown and an interception Zeus finished with 11 attempts for only 39 yards and UGA's offensive MVP was of course George Pickens who I guess we should call bowl time bowl time Pickens because he just goes off in bowl games set a record in the Sugar Bowl last year versus Baylor and Friday he caught seven passes for 135 yards and a touchdown and then he laid out for that awesome 51 yard grab too and on defense, other than Ojolari with three sacks, Quay Walker had a great game, racking up seven tackles and a sack. N'Kobe Dean from his middle spot was really good as well. He was all over the field, had seven tackles. And then Adam Anderson, who was uh, in for Jermaine Johnson, who transferred to Florida State, it was him opposite of Aziz, and he had two sacks from that outside linebacker spot. And then Jordan Davis, big Jordan Davis, from the nose tackle spot, who missed time with an elbow injury this year, um, had a sack and a blocked a Cincinnati field goal, which turned out to be huge. We only won technically by that one point, kind of, and then we had that garbage time safety. But that was huge, absolutely. I think my final takeaways as we move on to the offseason, just from this game, if we're looking at this one game as a as a, you know, precursor to the 2021 season, are one, Arian Smith has elite speed. He burned a Cincy defender on that 55-yard pass that showed he can be a problem for defenses next season and really give us that that stretch the field type of guy that you really need to open up space in your offense. Um, Alabama has it with every receiver they have, it looks like. 
Number two, the offensive line is going to be the biggest question on offense. Um, and we talked about it a second ago. They struggled to find run lanes versus Cincinnati. That was interesting to see. I think we should have pushed them off the ball a lot better than we did and have some creative um, run blocking schemes there. But we didn't and they stopped us. And it'll be interesting because we lost Ben Cleveland. We're losing Trey Hill. So, you know, who are those guys that we might have? Jamari Salary, he might move inside. We could see Xavier Trust, but he didn't He didn't play that well against Cincinnati. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and who starts out versus Clemson. And three, the defense, I think, will be just fine. I know we're losing a lot of guys. Guys stepped up versus Cincinnati in a good offense. We saw Latavius Brini, Chris Smith, Tyreek Stevenson. They helped hold down that back end um, against a good offense there. And, and Stevenson even had that critical pass deflection that really gave Georgia the ball back to win it. Yeah, without Tyreek Stevenson uh, deflecting that pass, Polesny doesn't even get a shot at it. Hot Pod doesn't even get a shot at winning the game for us. So I think we'll be just fine in the back end moving forward. All right, so I've got a college football roundup coming up. We'll talk playoffs and part one of our season superlatives coming up as well. But first, I got a chance to talk with 2021 UGA signee Kamari Lassiter about his recruitment and his future as a Georgia Bulldog. From American Christian Academy in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Lassiter is the number 194 overall prospect, number 14 cornerback, and number seven overall recruit in Alabama. He's an All-American Bowl member as well. Had 74 tackles, 8 pass breakups, 10 tackles for loss, 3 forced fumbles, and 32 catches for 833 yards and 11 touchdowns on offense. Here's my conversation with Kamari. So, can you talk us through your recruitment a little bit? So, when did the offers start to come in? Um, Which one stood out to you the most when it hit you? Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, um, My offers didn't start really rolling in until about at the the off season of my sophomore year you know I had a pretty good sophomore year and I was starting to go to camps and stuff and get recognized on the national level and then about this, those were the smaller offers and then about sometime in my junior year my really big offers started rolling in places like Alabama and uh, Georgia and Auburn and places like that when Nick Saban offered you from Alabama what was going through your head there uh, that was that was one of my first big offers. So, you know, uh, I was I was like, OK, things really just got real. And then after that, you know, my recruitment started to take a jump, really. And uh, I started to experience more things in recruitment. How was how was that recruiting experience um, as you were playing football, you know, at American Christian? You know, did you have other teammates who were also getting recruited like that? I mean, did y'all have um, similar college uh, hopes and dreams? Like, were y'all trying to go to the same school, anything like that? Uh, Yes, sir. I had a teammate, Cam Jeffrey. We went on all our recruiting trips together, all the camps together, and uh, we were both getting recruited. Uh, He ended up signing to Arkansas State a couple weeks ago. But uh, we both had the same dreams and aspirations, and uh, we were thinking about possibly going to the same school, but it just didn't work out. That's still awesome, though. I mean, I was watching your highlights earlier today and um, your senior year highlights. First couple minutes, two pick sixes returned um, really on offense. I feel like I feel like they just threw the ball to you and let you run. That was really cool to see. When, when did you know that you were going to Georgia? When, when was that moment that you decided, OK, this is the right home for me? Can you take me through that? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, it was it was after one of my um, 
my one of my non-contact visits and you know i talked to a couple of players and i saw that i got their perspective of things and uh had a had a had lunch with a uh, Brock Vandergriff, who was already uh, committed to Georgia, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit, and uh, I had a really good conversation with him. And then, you know, it was just the way they recruited me, and um, it was just relentless in the way they uh, made an effort to get to know me on a personal level, along with my family. Uh, that just really just made me want to get on the bandwagon and just go to Georgia. And of course, it was home already, so I mean, I was already itching to go back home anyway. What was your favorite spot when you went to Athens to visit? Any wing spot. We went to one wing spot. Oh, man, I can't think of the name. But anything with wings, I'm good. <laughs> wings, you're good. Hey, we got a lot of Mexican, a lot of good Mexican places up here, too. So when you come up, just let me know. and I'll text you the good Mexican spots, all right? Yes, sir. Cool with Mexican. Yes, sir. You play both DB and receiver at American Christian. I know you're going to Georgia as a cornerback, but, you know, is there one position that you feel more comfortable in? Uh, definitely DB, you know, that's what I started at. And, um, I just picked up receiver because, uh, we really needed another receiver and I really worked at it and I was willing to do whatever we had to do to win. So receiver, I enjoy catching touchdowns, but you know, I feel like my, um, my calling is DB. And then is there one guy that you look at, you know, either pro or at the collegiate level that you model your game after? Uh, you know, at the pro level, I try, you know, I like a lot of DBs. There's a lot of good DBs, but uh, I like somebody. I like uh, Marcus Peters. I like the way he used to play, like vintage Marcus Peters. I like the way he really played the game and, you know, the way he uh, the way he attacks the ball and attacks leverage of the receivers and stuff like that. Yeah, Marcus Peters is a, is a baller for sure. That's a good role model. What about, what about yes, Georgia sir. Bulldogs? Is there a guy on the team now or maybe a guy you watched growing up that you were like, man, I want to be like that in Athens, Sanford Stadium? Uh, definitely, definitely Richard account. I mean, he he's the epitome of what it is to be a Georgia Bulldog. I mean, he showed I've seen him show great leadership. And uh, I've had a conversation with him one time. And, uh, you know, I could really tell that he was all in and everything. So, I mean, that's somebody who who's really he's already done it. And he's going to the highest level of football. And, you know, that's one of my goals as well. So, I mean, why not try and be like him, but be myself at the same time? Yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a great model, role model to look after. Um, going to the NFL draft, like you said, this year, all preseason All American, all SEC first team. So you can't go wrong there. Definitely, for sure. And then he, I know you said that you had a conversation with Brock Vandegrift, um, and he's of course five star QB coming into Georgia next season. So this twenty twenty one class that you're a part of, the talent talent level, you know, is huge. Rated number three class in the nation. What's your relationship with the other future dogs? that are part of this class. I know it's, you know, COVID-19 has been a hindrance there. Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, COVID has made it rough because we haven't been able to take this together, no OVs or anything like that. So all we have is, you know, uh, over the phone communication. And I've, I, you know, I've talked to a couple guys, DMs, Snapchat, all that, and we got a group chat and all that. But I mean, I think once that I really get to meet some more of the guys, we'll, we'll just click, you know, and once we're grinding out there on the field every day together, we'll end up clicking. That's awesome. And I know we talked about it uh, before we started rolling the tape here, but is there any recruitment by you guys right now to try to get some other big time talent to Athens? I know the early signing period's over, but we can st- we can still have recruits signed until February. Any 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 guys you can tell us about? Uh can't speak on that right now, but uh, you know, uh we we got I think one or two more guys that we're possibly looking at. 
That's awesome. Good to hear, man. We'll be here. We'll be here to report it when it happens. We'll be excited, but Hey, dog nation welcomes you. And uh, we're looking forward to watching you play on, on Saturdays, man. Keep working. Yes, sir. Thank you. Big thanks there to Kamari for coming on with me. Um, if you haven't seen his highlights yet, go ahead and look those up on Huddle. They're really cool. I mean, he's he's a good player, guys. He's he's really athletic, and he's going to be fun to watch. Um, but on to our college football roundup. So we have a national title game. It may be postponed, but we have a game. It's Alabama versus Ohio State on Monday in Miami. Bama, of course, had that game one bye versus Notre Dame in the playoffs. And not going to lie, I was definitely caught off guard by Ohio State beating Clemson 49-28. They looked so much better than Clemson that it didn't make sense to me until I remembered Ohio State only played six games this season. Buckeyes were far and away much faster than the Tigers, and what a game by Justin Fields. Crazy performance, had the same amount of incompletions to his touchdown passes, I think. He fought through an injury to his side, still finished that game out. Um, But Ohio State probably didn't deserve a chance because they only played six games. But here we are anyways. Um, I am definitely glad to see Dabo Sweeney lose, though. I think the things he said about COVID-19 this season has been laughable. I mean, he reminds me of Dan Mullen with how ignorant he sounds in pressers. But back to the title game. Apparently, OSU has issues with positive COVID testing already, and the game is in danger of being moved to next week, January 18th. Um, If that happens, something has to be changed there. It'll go to the 18th. But reports said today that all efforts are focused on playing January 11th, though, so keep an eye on that. Um, In other news, Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith was named the Heisman Trophy winner. I think it's much deserved. We talked about it last week on the show. And honestly, I don't remember a Heisman that seemed to be so much a consensus with everything I was hearing and seeing. Maybe Joe Burrow and the season he had and the way LSU won last year, how dominant they were. But it seemed like everyone felt Smith deserved it. And I know I did. So congrats to him. Man, I wish he would have done it in Athens. He was definitely once committed to UGA. I think that was in 2016. It would have been nice to see that in Sanford Stadium. Anyway, on to our season superlatives, part one. Going to be releasing some superlatives, uh, our UGA Football Live superlatives, in the next few episodes through the offseason. We'll start now with offense. So UGA Football Live Player of the Year on offense is, drumroll, JT Daniels. Crazy to think about this past offseason, okay, and all the quarterback drama, which we follow day by day through the season until Game 7 versus Mississippi State when things changed for Georgia football. USC transfer JT Daniels got the chance after watching, you know, Stetson Bennett, Dwan Mathis, um, while working back from that ACL tear that he suffered in 2019 at USC, and he made the most of it. And he threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns in that game and then led Georgia the rest of the season undefeated, led him to a Peach Bowl win, a comeback Peach Bowl win, went down the field and scored. He finished the season with 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, and just four games. So props to JT for his hard work, especially impressed with how he goes about his business. You know, Daniels gives all the credit to the receivers and backs and Jack Prolesny when he asked about the game-winning drive. Um, and acknowledged that all he did was hit four checkdowns, and I thought that was really cool. So congrats to JT. Can't wait to see what he can do with the entire offseason with Todd Monken and this offense, you know, because he didn't get that last season. And then with, you know, everything with COVID-19 shutting down spring and throwing a wrench in all of fall workouts, 
Um, can't wait to see what he can do with that whole offseason with his timing with the receivers and everything will be much better than it was this season. I'll be releasing more of those season superlatives in the next episode, so don't miss that. Dogs in the NFL, my top performing Bulldogs from Week 17 action. The last week of the regular season, we've got Wild Card Weekend starting this Saturday. I think there's like six games, and I'm really ready for that. I love playoff football. It's so awesome. So, Browns running back Nick Chubb is back at the top of the list. Chubb ran for 108 yards on 14 carries in the Browns' win over the Steelers on Sunday. He passed 1,000 yards on the season and did so, even though he missed four and a half games this season. So, congrats, Nick. Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie had an awesome game. So the human joystick had himself a day on Sunday. First of the Dolphins, he caught six passes for 65 yards and two touchdowns and added an 84-yard punt return touchdown. And that was all in the first half of the Bills win. Jaguars wide receiver Chris Conley caught seven passes for 87 yards and a loss to the Colts. Patriots running back Sony Michelle. Sony ran 16 times for 76 yards caught three passes for 60 yards and a touchdown and a win versus the Jets. Lions QB Matt Stafford. Stafford completed 20 of 31 passes for 293 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception and a two-point loss to the Vikings. And in the same game, Lions running back DeAndre Swift. Swift ran 12 times for 54 yards and a touchdown and caught three passes for 16 yards. So three running backs on this list this week three uj running backs running back you just makes sense and then our last on our list rams linebacker leonard floyd floyd had two tackles and recorded a sack and a win over the cardinals to give him 10 and a half on the year which helped him hit a one million dollar incentive for sacks in his contract that's the dogs in the nfl this week next week we'll have playoff version coming up excited for that Now on to Spread versus JC, the last segment, the last version of college football Spread versus JC this season. And that's probably for the best because I really stunk, but not really much more than the ESPN's The Bear on College Game Day. So Chris Falica, he makes picks, and I was trying to do better than him this season, and I think he went 53%, so I'm really close, and I I really, it was my first time doing it. So it kind of proves that nobody knows what they're doing, but... I went two and three in last week's bowl week to give me a final record of 23 and 25 on the year. So I'm right under 500. Of course, I started 0 and 5 in week one, uh, but I think overall bounced back to get that 500 marker run. Uh, last bowl week really got me. Really, that's what it it because I had the chance to hit it over and, and beat Falica there. I took Auburn over Northwestern, which was a grave mistake. I had no idea Auburn had quit football at that point. Northwestern really did whatever they wanted to. And then I thought Clemson would play well, but Ohio State just dominated them, uh, probably because of the six games and they've rested more. But anyway, regardless, that was a loss. And then Notre Dame scored some garbage time points against Bama and finished 17 back, which didn't cover the 19 points I had Bama at. But thanks for listening, everyone, and sticking with me through the season. Uh, We're going to make these off-season episodes just as fun as possible while keeping you updated on the dogs. Now, part two of our season superlatives will be out next Thursday. Please rate, subscribe, and review. That's how we can make the show bigger and better. Um, until next week, go dogs. Have a great weekend. Tyler Simmons was on sides.